without, but here it's time to introduce our wonderful speaker, my beautiful wife, Amanda. Speaking the word, speaking. Okay. Okay. I hear myself. This is cool. Yeah, I am. Thanks. I'm just kidding. Um, so, fun fact, it has been almost seven years to the day that I have last spoken in this house as far as the word. Yeah, seven, seven years. Um it's no, it's okay. And I'm no, I'm going to explain why. I'm going to explain why today. It's part of my part of my word. Um it's 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 crazy because man. Can you still hear me? Okay, cool. I'm not used to I'm used to holding something and it's very weird. The last 7 years since I last spoke Shoo, I'm already getting wrecked. Um, <laughs> Get her, Holy Spirit. A lot. Get her. <laughs> There's, we literally, I literally have a video of one time I was facilitating and I kept going, ah, ah, and Mike made it like a whole thing. I'm going to now post it on the YouTube. So, on the YouTube. Yeah. There's a whole fun story to that. Um, but yeah, since I, I last spoke, um, I've spoken. This is my third time total. The first time was just before I was leaving for Bethel. Um, I gave a word, um, similar topic. It's actually the same topic, but a little spruced up on obedience, um, which was why I was going out to Bethel. I was just, you know, obeying his calling, his instruction. Um, when I then I came home after that year, and that is where large transitions in my life began. It was 2015, and um, through I was giving a word then about um, walking out the Lord's prayer, living out the Lord's prayer. If you guys remember that, and then like two weeks later, I you guys sent me out. And I went to go serve a different local church. And then everything began. Um, talk about living and learning. Um, just to put it out there, that is when probably some of the most painful experiences in my life began. I grew up in this house since I was 15 years old. Got saved right here. Um, it was Father's Day 2009. So everything I know about God and living and walking with Jesus and the Holy Spirit, I learned in this house. Um, the culture of this house is literally just a part of my makeup. It's a part of who I am. It has been 
what's developed me into the woman I am today. And then the Lord, I do believe the Lord was calling me to go there and serve because of who I am and what I can give. Um, and it's a very different church from here. Um, it's like actually like a lot of churches that are out there. Um, it took about a year to realize what was happening around me because very quickly, instead of embracing the gift that I am, and you guys know me, so when I say things like I'm not trying to elevate myself like to self-righteousness or anything, but I know who I am. That's my position of where I'm coming from. But long story short, very quickly, um, instead of taking who I am and helping me plug in to give and bring Jesus and, and heaven to earth in that house, what instead happened is they put who I am up on a shelf and told me to be who they wanted me to be. And there are a lot of people who are walking that today. And some of them don't know it. And I didn't really know for three years, the three years I was there, I had um, relationships broken. Um, it was just, it was hard. And I remember finally 2018 came which was a whole crazy hard year itself. Um, a friend of mine who a whole, it's, there's so many more details to this, but a friend of mine and, and her husband, they became the leaders of the church, but they weren't being trained properly. They threw them in there. And then the other pastors went to the mothership. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yep and um pretty much left these two to try to lead an entire campus without properly being led but because of the culture of what they thought honor was in that culture everything went down and it was not to the fault of my friends who went into the leadership it was because of their leaders. And everybody knew that. And I knew that. But then my relationship with my friend, because of how that was, I admit I had my you know, issues in the relationship. She had hers. But also, the church did not help us create healthy dynamics. It was this hierarchy thing, which was difficult because we lived together until she got married. So that was, it was, it was crazy. So that ultimately friendship ended. She gets married. I live alone for the first time in my entire life. It was August, 2018. And I remember this like two week period right in the center of August. I go away for work to DC and I'm in this hotel room and I'm able to process. You know when you step away from your norm, you hear God a little clearer? That's what happened. I mean, I was only in D.C., but I was not very familiar with this area. But it was just enough to hear the Lord. And I, just something came out of me. 
And I'm just like, Lord, what has Christian society become? And it just started with a question. And then I found myself weeping because everything I was experiencing those three years were almost the opposite of what I learned in this house, of what I learned when reading the word. And it, but I'm seeing it everywhere else too. And I'm just like, there's so much hurting and pain. Why are we getting taught this filth that's just distractions from who you are? I just, it, but at the same time, I'm still in the middle of it and still blind and unaware of certain things and being taught that's actually not keeping me close to Jesus, but keeping me close to church culture and glorifying church and what the church is. But it's like not even the body of Christ. It's this, this idea of this, you hear it, and I'm, I'm just using this term for the sake of explaining, but this institution of the church, not the church of Jesus Christ, not, not Jesus, not, not the body of believers and followers. No, like I just, there's, and you see it all throughout Christian culture, even single women, there's this dynamic of, I need to find my husband. That is my ultimate goal in my whole life. And in that season I was single and I was still buying into it. And that was another conversation I had with God that morning or that, that day in, in the hotel room. The following week, I'm um, sitting on the kitchen floor in my house alone, no animals, no friends, just the silence of me on the kitchen floor. And I'm crying because I just am like, what's going on, God? What am I doing? I, I, I don't know where I'm going. I really do not want to be at this church anymore. And because I'm thinking in my head at that point, because that week before when I was away, he said, you're going to be leaving. And I was like, oh, when? And he never responded. <laughs> so then the following week, I'm like, Lord, I, I, I really want to leave because I just, I just got to get out of this. There's just, there's too much unhealthiness and, and lies and just confusion going on. And I, I, I just, I don't know what you want me to do there. And he sits, and I, I've shared this vision with you, but it was that day he gives me this vision of me and Jesus walking on a trail in the woods, hand in hand. And I look about maybe 50 yards ahead of me, and Jesus is there waiting for me. And I'm like, super confused. But then I also see another 50 yards, there's Jesus. So then I turn behind me, 50 yards behind me, there's Jesus. And I'm like, Jesus, what's going on? And he literally just says, I'm walking you to myself every step of the way. And that was all I could get out of what to do. And I was like, okay. So on through September, just more things kept happening that's just destroying my heart. And I'm just getting more and more tired. By October, I'm like, I need a break because by this time I got pulled from youth ministry because I didn't want to be on the worship team because I don't want to worship for a show. I told them that. I'm like, I'm sorry, I cannot serve on this worship team because I just, I can't align with how you guys want me to worship. So then they took me out of youth ministry too without saying goodbye to the kids. It sucked. Yeah. And then I got exiled yeah. from the kids. Yeah. So I was like... Why am I here? <laughs> so I find out in October that we here in this house were having our 30th anniversary. 
You guys remember that? So I came because I was like, well, you guys, you don't have me doing anything else. So I'm not like, I'm just going to go home for a bit. And it was the first night and we had a speaker and I remember I was sitting in that second row next to my mom and the, the speaker at the, that moment said, I, I remember it so vividly, the speaker said, who in your life is telling you, no, you can't do that? And then immediately Holy Spirit goes, it's time to come home. Clear as day. So after service, I'm crying to Mama Lori right over here. And I tell her, and she's like, I'm crying. I'm like, it's time to come home. And she's like, why are you crying then? This is good. And I'm like, because then I have to say goodbye. And there was too much tension. And I wouldn't leave until God said, okay, it's time to go. So I knew that Sunday during the conference here, I needed to go there and say after service, I'm gone. I'm, I'm not coming back. And I did, and I was not met with the response I thought I would, that anybody else would have gotten in that church, but I didn't get that. So I was like, okay, cried on my way home, cried on my way here, but every time I came back into this house, I was like, man, I'm so glad. Now, I, I was not sure if I was staying here. I just knew I needed to come here and heal because it's home. And I remember I was on stage because I think the previous youth of the house, we did a worship set together and I led a song at the end of one of the services. And then I sat on a stool right in the center under the logo and I just looked out as everybody's mingling. Whew, I'm getting emotional. And I was just like, man, God, I'm so, I'm so grateful I get to come home. And then Pastor Robert came up and met me at the front. And he leans in and he just goes, so I hear my daughter's coming home. And I go, yeah, it's time. And he goes, you have no idea how happy of a father I am. I was wrecked. <laughs> and so... After that Sunday, I talked with him, and he knew every detail of what happened because every quarter I would have a dinner with him. And I, for me, it was just venting. And for him, he's like, well, I've been praying for you this whole time. But he would never tell me come home because he wanted to honor where I was with the Lord and what the Lord was saying. And he's like, you have no idea how bad I wanted to tell you come home. You have no idea. And um, I remember we're up there where... One day I was meeting him in November of 2018, and he said, in coming back, thanks. I didn't know I was going to cry this early. I knew I was going to, but chill. Probably, I don't know. Maybe this is me getting it out. So I, I, I talked to Pastor Robert, and he said, the only thing I want you to do is just heal. It could take two days, two weeks, two years. That's your only responsibility. I'm going to talk with leadership and tell them not to ask you to do a thing. I just want you here to heal. It doesn't have to look like anything. There's no time frame. Do not put a time frame on it because that is something I would do. And he knew it. <laughs> and so that's what I did. 
And all I, all I could do throughout November, and you could ask Pastor Bob, all I could do was focus on what's Amanda's core values? Not the core values from Bethel when I was there or not the core values from that church and even not the core values here, but who is Amanda? What is Amanda about? And that took a lot of work. I was still living by myself at the time, so it was just this, it was this perfect time. I had six months of living completely alone, just me and the Holy Spirit at my house, where I had room to push and, and take care of this deep stuff and hear his voice so clearly again. So then by 2019, I told him, I said, I'm ready to start youth group. So we did, we started Epic, we restarted Epic, and we had such an awesome year together. It was amazing, and I, I kept growing, and I was just, I was living my best life for the first time in my life, man. 2019 was my year. And then, of course, you know, 2020 comes. And, you know, all the craziness of 2020, but I got a husband out of it, so that was pretty cool. I gotta say, worked out. And that was a whole God thing in and of itself. Um, but out of all of that, and especially my experience, a year after I left, that church ultimately shut down. Very particular reasons that I'm still navigating healing with because here's the end all. <laughs> here's the end all. I know so many people, and you guys remember because I was up here praying for those people when that church shut down. I know so many people who got pushed to another local church that's just like that one. And then the other half have left either the faith altogether, refused to be with church, oh, I, I'm good, me and God, we're tight, we just worship, you know, it's just me and him, I don't need to go to church to prove that I love him, and I'm like, I don't know who told you that's what you need to do, but okay. It, it's just, and I keep bumping into people from that season, and I love these people, and they know I love them, but it's so hard, because it's happening all over, especially America, yeah. this. And the, the problems, let me just clarify, the problems that I experienced in that season were spiritual abuse. I was used for my giftings and in some ways without my permission because they manipulated it. Because I thought this is what God wanted me to do. And instead, I shifted my focus from hearing him to hearing what the pastors were saying because they're the ultimate authority in my life. Right. Where I, I, it was this constant confusion that I eventually bought into, and I went down. But it's happening everywhere, and I know that we know that's not the case. So I have this, I stand here today with this personal stirring and heart just to see people encounter God, the real God, 
to meet Jesus, to learn how to walk in the spirit. What, what I got to learn when I was 15 years old in this house, I want everybody to experience it, whether or not they're a part of this community. Because it's not limited to this community. Yeah. I want to share what we have with everybody out there. And so I'm hopeful to also bring the same stirring that's happening inside of me to share that with you guys today. Because here's the thing, while, while I long to see the people around me encounter God and proclaim him for who he is, that ability to do so starts with me. It starts with me allowing myself to encounter him, to allow him to be the one that changes me endlessly. While in certain respects, I get, you know, there's certain things that, well, you just got to go and do it. Just go and do the stuff. At the same time, depending on where you are, just start with yourself. And I think I said, I don't remember what it was because Holy Spirit said it through me. And I don't, but I remember last, last week or the week before I was giving this exhortation of like, you know, yielding to God or whatever. And then somehow Holy Spirit's like, sometimes it's the person in the mirror. And y'all were like, whoa. And I was like, what did I just say? Um, I genuinely don't remember. And it was not recorded. So, but yeah, Holy Spirit, that was a good word. But that's what I mean. Like we have to start with ourselves. If there's, if there's one thing I know I can take from my time at Bethel, it's that, that even when you look at the concept of revival, revival starts with you and then it goes to the people around you, to your community, to the cities, to the states, to the nations. But it starts with you. You have to be paying attention to what's happening here. And I've been talking with, with Lisa a lot too, and we both have been on the same thing last couple of years, this concept of going back to the beginning, back to my first love. Yeah. And so I feel like I am finally in a place, not only just from all of that craziness back then, but also the craziness that Joe and I have had to experience in our first two years of marriage. So it was like constant nonstop. I've not really got a, a moment to breathe. Until now, there is this new season happening, guys. There's this grace that, that's allowing us to take that next step. Because our, our, our perspective's been shifted. In some ways, our position's been, been, I mean, I'm not living the life I thought I was going to live. That's like, that's like, this one time Joe and I were, we were driving somewhere and we were talking about like, what's better, like a shower or bath? And I, he said something and I said, um, I'm grammatically inaccurate very often, but I was like, I could never bath like that. And he goes, do you mean bathe? And I was like, what did I say? And he goes, bath. And I was yeah, that tasted weird when I said it. Grammar is just so sweet, guys. Um, but in early 2020, before everything shut down, I had this vision of what everything was going to look like the next couple years. All these things are building up, building up. Then it got shut down, and you're like, well, there went that. Um, but all God did in that 
is he repositioned us. He re, he, know, he just did this redo, this refresh. Like, all right, let's get some basis things here before we move forward, which I'm so grateful for. I, and that's another reason why I want to bring, you know, this word. So as I've been, especially the last several months, been really just seeking God and a lot of what God's been talking about in this house, I'm, 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 I'm seeking God for what his heart is. I'm realizing that while we all have our own unique gifts and calls, we all have the same purpose. Okay. And there's this one unique strategy by which I believe that God wants us all to meet that purpose, that, that plan. And that's simply to obey. Just obey him. And there's probably a chance that when some of you guys hear obey, you might cringe a little, especially because of church cultures like I got out of. But that's not obedience in Christ at all. This, this compliance with an order. Compliance. You know, must. Cookie cutter. Cookie cutter. The mothership. Yeah. Honor up, honor down, honor all around. We said it every week. But anyway, when really, when you look into the word and the context by which, which obedience is coming, especially from the position of, of the new and better covenant by which we have the honor and privilege of living within, obey is simply to trust. So to take action according to trusting him to hear his word and just act accordingly. Just go by that. Also to hear, to listen. But when you're hearing and listening, it comes with this, this significance of hearing with reverence. <sighs> if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. John 14, 15. And sometimes we still kind of get weird about the word commandments. Well, you got to get your heart in that perspective. This place of reverence of how good he is. Because let me tell you, I love my husband. Well, I know. <laughs> got that right. Shoo. But I obey him. Not in the sense of he tells me what to do and I do it exactly, you know, what he wants me to do. Let's face it, I'm probably the more bossy person. Um, I'm just very particular. I'm sorry. Um, but it's more along the lines of, <laughs> yeah, you do. I know his heart toward me. Not just I know his heart is for me but I know his heart toward me. I know what that's like. I know that it's unceasing. So the way by which I live my life, the things I say, the things I do, taking all my thoughts captive is in the structure 
and coming from the place of knowing his heart is for me. So in that sense, a conversation that I have with somebody, I'm choosing to obey my husband and honor him and respect him because I love him and I know his heart for me. And it's the same and even more so with God. So if Joe were to ask me to do something, I would be like, yeah, I love you. I want to help you. What's up? What can I do? How do you want me to do it? And like, why aren't we always like that with God? We sing about it. What are you saying? What are you doing? Where are you going? Where you go, I go. What you say, I say, God. What you pray, I pray. Right? Nice throwback, right? But are we doing it? Is, that our, is our heart positioned in it or are we just singing it? And I have to check myself with that even with me and Joe. Is what I, I'm saying going to obey him and honor him? Or is there something I got to check out in my heart and we might have to have a conversation? Am I offended by God about something that I'm refusing to even think about very often? I can't talk to you right now. He calls me at the worst time. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So you're like, hey, I'm preaching. So call me later, please. (laughs) So I, I have to come to life with this position of yieldedness constantly, consistently. And that is literally the action of Matthew 6.33. Seek first the kingdom and all the rest will be added. My yielding is that in action. That's not how you do that. Okay. First John 2, 3 through 6. And we can be sure that we know him if we obey his commandments. If someone claims I know God but doesn't obey God's commandments, that person is a liar and is not living the truth. But those who obey God's worth truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know that we're living in him. For those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. And in terms of the context of what I walked through and where my heart is toward people, especially people who have been hurt by churches and by Christians. Well, Lord, what do I do about it? Because all I know is I'm sad. And he's like, when you're having conversations, listen to me. When we're having conversations, listen to them. Listen to their heart. And here's the tricky part as well in that is I can't afford to be offended by something someone says because I'm going to completely hear what they're, I'm going to completely miss hearing what they're really saying. On a practical level, you take any 
any of the taboo things that, that are just, oh, can't talk about that because, you know, this is where I stand because I'm a believer and I'm a good Christian. So we, I don't agree with that. I don't agree with that lifestyle. I don't agree with that thinking. Or We have to get away from the offense and hear what's really going on. Play that, that poker stoic face like it doesn't surprise you. You're just listening because there's something else going on. And when that happens, and I'm, I'm teaching myself how to do this with my clients at work, with my friends, with my, with my mom or whoever, I'm learning how to do this. This is stopping for the one where I can have that conversation. Let's say, let's choose a taboo statement. Um, sexuality. Let's say homosexuality or whatever the different ones there are, because I don't actually know. <laughs> I have one very specific one myself, but, um, but let's say. And what they're talking and they're sharing and they're disclosing and sharing their heart with you about is I feel like this is who I am, put in the blank. And they, what you're acknowledging is, oh, you know, they're putting their sexuality into who they are, their identity, and that's what their focus is. And you're like, that's not even the issue. But if you're gonna get stopped up right there, oh, well, let's say I think I'm gay. And you're immediately offended and you want to get out of that conversation. How many Christians are actually, that's what's going on in them. So immediately they shut down the conversation by either, well, the Bible says, well, right now they need to be heard. They do not need the instruction right now. If they're disclosing this to you, this is your opportunity to say, okay, father, what are you saying? And that's how you're going to love them. Okay, I, I, I got to hear you. Because you would not have put me in this situation if you didn't want to talk with them. I am not the person to always, I don't trust myself with those because I'm like, the. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I know I can't do, opinions aren't going to work because that, that relationship's just going to close down. Uh, and I'm usually that person, but if I can, and I normally, if there's any taboo topic or political topic, I'm usually the person that's like, <laughs> not wrong room, wrong class. It's the next one down. My bad. Because honestly, I don't know enough and I've not studied enough but I'm in a season of choosing to listen because for me and where my heart is, there are churches and communities that are not listening to people who've been hurt in churches, who've been abused in churches, who've been, who've been used and thrown out and exiled and disrespected and never heard for who they are. And they've never been honored. And I had that experience, but it turns out I'm not the only one. So my heart personally is with those people, but insert where your heart is for the people hurting because you have a call to those, to these certain demographics of people that maybe you're in relation to because you've walked through it yourself, but there's not really a, 
a, a line of how to move forward with it. How, well, what do I do, God? Because it sucked when I went through it and my heart's breaking because all these people are going through it and I'm watching it. All I could say is, yeah, been there. Well, there's more, but it comes with just obeying him. Like Popeye, I went through this and I'm seeing it all over. And it kills me right in our backyard. And I can do something, but I can't do it from my strength because I am still really hurt. But his strength in me, I can just lean on that, Papa. You're just so good. So what I want to do, there's some things, I'm going to throw out a lot of scripture to you because honestly the scripture is going to be the thing that preaches. But my exhortation is giving you this basis. And then this is what scripture has to say about it from this context, guys. But I want you guys to open up Philippians 2. Um, This is absolutely one of my favorite chapters. I personally am reading from the Amplified Version because it's my jam. So um, I'm in the wrong thing right now. Maybe put my glasses on, I could see. Okay. Stigmatisms. Okay. Uh, Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore... If there is any encouragement and comfort in Christ, as there certainly is in abundance, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship that we share in the spirit, if there is any great depth of affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, having the same love toward one another, knit together in spirit, intent on one purpose and living a life that reflects your faith and spreads the gospel, the good news regarding salvation through faith in Christ. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit through factional motives or strife, but with an attitude of humility, being neither arrogant nor self-righteous. Regard others as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. This piece, I I, I have to say, is significant because it's so easy, especially just as Christians, and there's this misunderstanding, I think, sometimes with scripture that will read something, will take it for what it says, and completely dismiss the nature of God. So we're just going by the letter, But he's like, there's a little action that we do with it. I'm sorry. Can we tweak it a little? And I love, I love, I love that it says, with an attitude of humility, neither being arrogant nor self-righteous, regard others as more important than yourselves. Because it's not about us. Even when you're in pain, That season of coming out of that season, I had a very hard time of being, of feeling arrogant and self-righteous because I knew, I I knew that. 
I know what's supposed to have happened and that didn't play out well. And like I had it perfect. I messed up in places too. And I still deal with it even, even in, in the challenge of bringing this today and sharing that, vulnerable, that vulnerability of that, that pain and that hurt, I still have to find, I have to check myself. Am I being arrogant about this? Is there some self-righteousness here? Because I got to shut it down because that is a distraction for me obeying him in response of what's happening. Do you hear me? We could probably all admit we've been there. I think that's safe to say. Verse five. And another part of that too is, you know, we, we would sing this sometimes lately in worship, the I want to be the oil, I want to be the sacrifice, I want to be the laid down lover all my life. Because it's not about me. I have to deal with the pain, but I cannot let the pain deal with me. Like, I can't let that be my distraction. I'm in pain, but I'm going to deal with it in the Lord by obeying him because he's the one that loves me. I'm going to lay down my life to him. He's my, my high king forever. And I want to lay my life down because he's going to send me. Okay, verse five. Have the same attitude in yourselves, which was in Christ Jesus. Look to him as your example in selfless humility. Who, although he existed in the form and unchanging essence of God as one with him, possessing the fullness of all the divine attributes, the entire nature of deity, did not regard equality with God to be a thing that's grasped or asserted as if he did not already possess it or was afraid of losing it, but he emptied himself without renouncing or diminishing his deity but only temporarily giving up the outward expression of divine equality and his rightful dignity by assuming the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men, he became completely human, but was without sin, being fully God and fully man. After he was found in terms of his outward appearance as a man for a divinely appointed time, he humbled himself still further by becoming obedient to the father, to the point of death, even death on a cross. There's a song I've been singing a lot. I don't, you guys, I don't know if you've heard of them. Um, the circuit riders, Lindsay Kofer, Lindy Kofer. There's this song she does, and it's called Christ and Christ Crucified. And that song I listened to the first time two weeks ago in the middle of all of this stuff stirring in me of this, uh, this concept of obedience, this concept of following him, this concept of all of that. And this song is just the chorus, just the chorus wrecks me. And it's, we sing Christ and Christ crucified in you. We're raised from death to life. We sing Christ and Christ crucified. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Because just like we were singing today, he did it all. He did it all. He did it all. Christ and Christ crucified. Christ and Christ crucified. That's what it's about. Christ and Christ crucified. He humbled himself still further. It just wrecks me. Verse nine, for this reason also, because he obeyed and so completely humbled himself, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow in submission of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue will confess and openly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, the sovereign God to the glory of God, the father. And these next two verses are everything for me. So then my dear ones, verse 12, just as you have always obeyed my instructions with enthusiasm, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence, continue to work out your salvation. That is to cultivate it, bring it to full effect, actively pursue spiritual maturity with all inspired fear and trembling using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that might offend God or discredit the name of Christ. Pastor Robert two weeks ago was talking about that, the ability to discern what's happening within you. Oh. You don't realize how much that alone will save you. It says to continue to work out your salvation. How do you do that? You cultivate it. You work on it. You, you feed it. You water it. Take it out when it has to go potty. Bring it to full effect. Activate it. And actively pursue spiritual maturity. I don't even know what that means. But I do. Like, I can't, I can't put into words what spiritual maturity is, but I know it's looking like Christ. I know that's what it looks like. So if I'm going by the word, if I'm going to obey God, I'm just going to let Christ be the one I, I imitate, that I image, that I, that I follow. He's the one that's going to be my model. Well, if Jesus did it, I'm doing it too. If that was his response, it's my response too. Actively pursue spiritual maturity with awe-inspired fear and trembling, using serious caution and critical self-evaluation to avoid anything that may discredit the name of God. That is exactly what I was talking about in terms of honoring, obeying, and loving my husband in the every day, in every moment. Most of our days, we're apart because we're at work. I am with a lot of people. A lot of people. And by what I do and by what I say, you know, this ring is a representation that I'm his, right? So I'm not going to do anything or say anything that discredits this ring and discredits who he is in my life. 
because I'm going to obey who he is in my life. I'm obeying who he is and his heart for me. It's the same thing right here. How I live my life, how I respond to pain and turmoil, how I respond to someone else's pain and turmoil. I am critically self-evaluating. I put there, there is more depth to coming to faith in Christ than what we've been taught. It's these little things. And, 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 and depth is not equal to complication. There's more depth to our faith. That doesn't mean it's complicated. There's just more to it. While it does come down to believing in Christ and having faith in him, it's the concept of believing in him and having faith in him and who he is and what he's about in all things at all times. It's learning how to maintain that no matter what. It's taking it with you, everything that we're being inspired about in this house, when we go out those double doors in the front, it's still there. When someone cuts us off in traffic, because that's the example we all use, it's still there at the forefront of your mind. Verse 13. This is my life verse. For it is not your strength, but it is God who is effectively at work in you, both to will and to work that is strengthening, energizing, and creating in you the longing and the ability to fulfill your purpose for his good pleasure. Yep. And it, and it just fills me up because he's constantly strengthening me. He's constantly energizing me. He's constantly creating in me two things, a longing to fulfill my purpose and the ability to do so. All for his good pleasure. I cannot afford to distract myself. I can't afford to distract myself when someone says something that I think is offensive, when I can't afford to distract myself when someone says something I don't like. Look at politics. I don't want to look at politics, but that's a really good place to start practicing this. Because everybody in this room, I can guarantee we all have vastly different politics than each other. And that's fine. You can have that. But what's more important, your obedience to God or your, your opinions and your mindset and your politics? Because sometimes our politics and our opinions and our viewpoints are distracting us from who we are, who we're called to be, and how we love the person in front of us. And that is why my heart hurts so bad because somewhere along the way, and I'm guilty of it too, but somewhere along the way, 
we think loving God and loving others is this cutesy little, oh, I'm going to pray for you from over here. Um, uh, we think it's this trying to defend God constantly when he doesn't need defending. I am constantly learning that just like, just like with Jerry, vengeance is the Lord's. He, he, it's his justice. He'll take care of it. I love how you said it. God will do it in his unique way. He'll take care of it. Just focus it on me. And, and it's, it's just this constant thing that's always going through my head. But there's, but why have we been taught these, these worldly things? Verse 14. Do everything without murmuring or questioning the providence of God so that you may prove yourselves to be blameless and guileless, innocent and uncontaminated children of God without blemish in the midst of a morally crooked and spiritually perverted generation among whom you are seen as bright lights, beacons shining out clearly in the world of darkness, holding out and offering to everyone the word of life. Didn't know that was in there. It's just so frustrating because so for so long, they've looked to us as the beams of light, but now they're looking at us as darkness because we've continued to distract ourselves by offense and not listening to his voice when this stuff's happening, when people are hurt, when we're watching hurt happening. We're watching injustice and we're choosing offense over, what do I say? What are you saying? Okay. I hear you. And that sucks. And from there, he'll tell you the next step and they're going to respond and you're not going to know what to say. What do I say? What, what are you saying for them? Oh, Okay. And then, boom, you have a discipleship opportunity. That's being the light. We can't afford to get stopped up anymore. So I'm going to deal with my unforgiveness. I'm going to get a sozo. I'm going to see what I keep, like my sozo, I'm going to see what I keep putting my hands on that the Lord's like, no, stop. Because I'm too distracted because I want to see a particular situation how I want it. So I keep trying to put my hands in it. And the Lord's like, no, you're disobeying me. Stop. That is of no benefit to you. He doesn't say you're disobeying me. Shun. You know, like that's not what he's doing. He's saying you're, you're disobeying. You're not, you're not partnered up with me right now. You're doing your own thing. This isn't, this isn't my heart for you. This isn't my heart for the situation. We can't afford to be distracted. We, we have to give it all at his feet. That's the number one thing. When dealing with all these different people, all the, all the, all the different people in pain, you know, at Walmart, you know, just, I don't know. It's just, my mind is so, so just, we got to make a change. We have to re-represent Christ in the world right now and stop being offended. 
our, our, our mindset is not created to, to stick to this mold we learned when we were younger. We have to be adaptable to what Holy Spirit's teaching us. We can't stick to this thing that Christianity has taught us that the Lord did not. We have to remain open to his heart. We have to remain open to the power of his word, the power of his voice. If you want to see justice, obey, yield. If you want to see joy where there's darkness, obey, yield. And when it comes to these other people, as I press buttons, I don't mean to. This is why technology is not my friend, which is ironic. When it comes to other people, you're obeying him because you know his heart for them. Just like you know his heart for you. And that's honor. That's obedience. You put whatever. That's what it is. That is a life living by the spirit. We can't afford to be distracted. So just stop. It takes time, though. It takes time. There's pride that distracts us. There's false pride, false humility. Because you can be all puffed up and that's pride, right? But then when you're like too low, you're like the lowest of the low, I'm the worst. There's a falsity to that because you're not, you're not in your position of who he's called you to, to actually receive what his voice is saying. Because you're just, I'm down here, I can't hear you, Lord. Or I'm up here, I can't hear you, Lord. (laughs) No, stop. You got to just get in your place and just listen and say, Lord, take all of me right now. I can't afford to be distracted. I'm tired of being tired. I'm tired of being overstimulated by all this chaos and craziness happening in the world. I just want you. I just want you and you alone. You are my king, my only king forever. You are my everything, God. You are my sufficiency. You are my power. You are my strategy. I just want to go by what you're doing, what you're saying right now. And like Jesus I only want to do what you're doing. That's it. I don't want to do it my way because my way keeps, it keeps hurting other people. It's hurting me. And, and, and I'm a middle ground person with everything because I see, I see the intention that this person's saying on that side and I see the intention of the person on that side, but I'm here in the middle and the Lord's like, that's just because you're a peacemaker. So just hear what I'm saying and respond. I can't afford to be distracted. I can't can't afford to not say anything either. I can't afford to say, well, I think. I can only afford to hear his voice, which is the most richest, sweetest thing I can ever have. And it takes yielding. It takes laying it all down. That's not false humility because he meets you. Just like with that perspective of sin. Oh, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy, Lord. I can't hear you now because I walked way over here. And I'm now I just, I can't. It's not worth it. I just, I don't know. 
No, 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 no. And we don't always have it right, so don't go the other way. His ways are higher than our ways. It's his thoughts are higher than ours. Isaiah 55. So I trust him. I want to be the difference maker. I want to be the history maker. But the only way I can do that is one-on-one -on -one with him and obeying every word that comes out of his mouth and out of his mouth in that word. He's not going to contradict himself in that based off where we are in this covenant today. He's too good. He loves every single person out there just as much as he loves you. They just don't know it yet. Love you, Jesus. I wanted to just leave you with... Um, this really exciting piece of scripture. Uh, Colossians 1, starting in verse 25 through 29. If I remembered how to spell Colossians. There it is. Verse 25, chapter 1. In this church, I was made a minister according to the stewardship which God entrusted to me for your sake, so that I might make the word of God fully known among you. That is the mystery which was hidden from angels and mankind for ages and generations, but has now been revealed to his saints, God's people. God in his eternal plan chose to make known to them how great for the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of this mystery, which is Christ in and among you. The hope and the guarantee of realizing the glory. I love that version. We proclaim him warning and instructing everyone in all wisdom, that is with comprehensive insight into the word and purposes of God so that we may present every person complete in Christ, mature, fully trained and perfect in him, the anointed. For this I labor often to the point of exhaustion, striving with his power and energy, which so greatly works within me. Colossians 2. For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those believers and for all who, like yourselves, have never seen me face to face. For it is my hope that their hearts may be encouraged as they are knit together in unselfish love so that they may have all the riches that come from the full assurance of understanding the joy of salvation, resulting in a true and more intimate knowledge of the mystery of God that is Christ." in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge regarding the word and purposes of God. I say this so that no one will deceive you with persuasive but thoroughly deceptive arguments, which is all that we've been taught for so long. When the word is so clear, we have to not be distracted so we can bring this wisdom and glory to their realization so they can see Christ in us and accept him and walk with him and also be the game changers. For even though I am absent from you in body, nevertheless, I am with you in spirit, delighted to see your good discipline as you stand shoulder to shoulder and form a solid front and to see the stability of your faith in Christ, your steadfast reliance on him and your unwavering confidence in his power, wisdom, and goodness. 
Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, walk in union with him, reflecting his character in the things that you do and say, living lives that lead others away from sin, having been deeply rooted in him and now being continually built up in him and becoming increasingly more established in your faith, just as you were taught and overflowing in it with gratitude. And see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception. According to the tradition and musings of mere men, following the elementary principles of this world, rather than following the truth and teaching of Christ. This is all summing up my heart today. Just so you know, as you, this is my wrap up. Just scripture. The word of God is just my wrap up. I, I don't have the power. It's all right here. For in him, all the fullness of deity, the Godhead dwells in bodily form, completely expressing the divine essence of God. And in him, you have been made complete, achieving spiritual stature through Christ. And he is the head over all rule and authority of every angelic and earthly power. In him, you are also circumcised with the circumcision not made with hands, but by the spiritual circumcision of Christ in the stripping off of the body of flesh, the sinful car carnal nature, having been buried with him in baptism and raised with him to a new life through your faith in the working God as displayed when he raised Christ from the dead. And when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, the worldliness, your manner of life, God made you alive together with Christ, having freely forgiven us all our sins, having canceled out the certificate of debt consisting of legal demands, which were enforced against us and which were hostile to us. And this certificate he has set aside and completely removed by nailing it to the cross. it's just all right there. Verse 18, let no one defraud you of your prize, your freedom in Christ and your salvation by insisting on mock humility and the worship of angels going into detail about Verse 19, and not holding fast to the head of the body, Jesus Christ, from whom the entire body supplied and knit together by its joints and ligaments grows with the growth that can only come from God. If you have died to Christ, to the elementary principles of the world, then why, as if you are still living in the world, do you submit to the rules and regulations such as do not handle this, do not taste that, do not even touch this. These practices indeed have the appearance that popularly passes as that of wisdom in self-made religion and mock humility and severe treatment of the body, but are of no value against sinful indulgence because they do not honor God. That's, that's the Bible. That's not even me. Like that's God. So evaluate ourselves for Christ's sake, literally. Literally, for the love of God, we can't afford to check ourselves. Literally, for the love of God, we can't afford to stop, yield, and obey. Listen, 
obey, and do. We can't do it. He's been repositioning us for a time such as this to just obey. And it's not going to go your way. You can throw all the hissy fits because I have. <laughs> it's not going to change anything. Just start doing what he's doing. I'll leave you with this and then I'll pray this out because I'm sorry. It ended up being a much longer service than I wanted it to be. But it's fine, which is always fine. <sighs> I'd say eight, nine years ago, this is one of the first times I read scripture and I saw a vision. But I was reading where it says in Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30 about... Um, you know, if, if you're tired and hungry, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I'll give you rest. And as I was reading it, the Lord threw me into this vision in my living room. I think I was actually at Bethel, and I was doing a study, and I, I saw myself in a yoke with Jesus on this dirt road. And he's like, okay, so all I want you to do is watch what I do. Just mimic me. I'm, I'm in this yoke. He's in that, but he's holding all the weight. He's like, okay, I'm just going to show you. Just walk like me. Make the same faces I do. You know, just, just do what I do. And I'm like, okay. So I'm watching and I'm studying. And this is literally what that verse says. Learn from me. And it, and it just blows my mind that we get this opportunity. We get to learn from him. It's not just imitate him from afar. He actually walks with us to learn, how do I obey God? How do I listen to him? It's all right there in the word. Just remind you, just go read it. <laughs> but we have to change our, our thinking. We have to be aware of what's happening inside of us so that we can present Jesus to others and help get, like, not get them, but help them to see and realize the true reality of who they are in Christ that'll bring them to him, glorifying him so they can see what he's done already and they can step out of where they are. They, they need help. I need help. You need help. But that's why we have a community, right? Because I can't do it on my own. And, I, and sometimes I can't just do it with him because I'm too distracted and I need you to help pull me out of the distraction so I can hear him and then obey. Right? So, Father God, I just thank you for community. I thank you. I thank you that you were with me even in everything I've walked through in the last seven years. I do not see life the same way I did eight years ago. But I'm grateful for that because I see more full and I see more depth and I can reach that depth with you. And Lord, as we move into this next week of, of, of living our lives and moving and living and having our being in you, Lord, help us to see where our distractions are from you. Help us to see what distractions are holding us back from doing what you've been telling us to do. You've instilled dreams and possibilities in every single one of us. 
and we're frustrated because things aren't moving or we're frustrated over, over a pain, we're frustrated over whatever, Lord, bring us that gumption. Show us the longing and the ability that you've created in us to obey, to do what you're doing, to say what you're saying, to go where you're going because you've done it all already. You've got the strategies. You've got the power. You've got the ability. And I have the great pleasure, we all have the great pleasure of partnering with you to see the world set free and really bring the light to this morally crooked and spiritually perverted world around us that we happen to live around. Thank you that we are the light. Thank you that we have the power because we have you. Teach us how to walk. Teach us how to speak down to the little things. How loud, how low, if we need an accent. We thank you. You are so good and may you be glorified in our lives this week more than ever before. More than even this moment right now, just may, may things begin to happen because we're so in tune with you and obeying and doing what you're saying because we love you, because we love you, not just following rules and regulations, Lord, but because we love you, we yield to you because we know you're bigger, because we know you're greater and grander. You are worthy, Jesus, for us to do these things. We love you. Bless this house and everyone we're connected to. In your most magnificent name, amen.